0: Good afternoon. Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta. Please pray for Al's recovery and look forward to hearing him on the radio tomorrow as he returns back to resume his duties here on the radio. In this next segment, we will be talking with Father Sebastian Walsh about how the Beatitudes show us God's plan for happiness. Blessed are the... You know many of us can fill in the blank with a list of memorized Beatitudes from Sunday school or catechism class, and we can fill it with you know the meek, the poor in spirit, or something about those who are reviled and and that that's probably pretty much it, but the Beatitudes were not just a, a small bit of Catholic trivia or or pious trivia christian trivia it, It's so much more than that. the Beatitudes became the way in which Christ opened up his great Sermon on the Mount. Pretty much essentially heralding his ministry as the new Moses, giving the, the people of Israel the new law. We're missing out on some of Christ's most important teachings in the gospel if we don't appreciate the Beatitudes. At the very core of his saving message is, in fact, the, living the beatitude. We're talking to Father Sebastian Walsh, Norbertine canon of the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange, California. After earning a degree in electrical engineering, Father Sebastian worked at an intellectual property firm before pursuing further education at Thomas Aquinas College. He graduated in 1994 and continued his studies at CUA in Washington, where he received a licentiate in philosophy. Later, while in seminary, he attended the Pontifical University of St. Thomas at Rome, the Angelicum, where he received his master's degree in sacred theology and a doctorate in philosophy. And since 2006, Father Sebastian has been professor of philosophy in the seminary program at Saint Michael's Abbey, where he is the dean of studies. Father Sebastian, it is great to have you on the program. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're honored to have you. You've you've written quite a treasure of a book, if you don't mind me saying so. Uh, Thank you so much. So, so you you named it Heart of the Gospel, and I really want to talk about. I, I remember taking a look at that title, going, really, the, the Beatitudes are the heart of the gospel? And then I took a look at exactly what you wrote, and, and you really are right. I, as an evangelist, I, I think I differ from multiple things I think are the core of the gospel message. But you make a very uh-huh. good argument. So help us understand, why, is, why are the Beatitudes the heart of the gospel?
1: Absolutely. Well, the, the main analogy that I, I argue for in my book is that um, the Beatitudes are to the teaching of Jesus what the Ten Commandments were to the teaching of Moses. And I think everyone admits the Ten Commandments are at the heart of the Mosaic teaching of the Old Testament, and so therefore it would follow the Beatitudes are at the heart of the teaching of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the setting of the Beatitudes in St. Matthew's Gospel, he actually quotes verbatim a passage from Exodus in which it talks about Moses going up to the mountain, Mm-hmm. He uses the exact same Greek Greek phraseology, including using the definite article um, before the word mountain, and all of that together with the idea of Jesus sitting down, teaching the people. There's five different parts of the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, just as there were five books of the Pentateuch authored by Moses and so forth. Mm-hmm. All of these parallels point to the fact that that St. Matthew is telling us that what Moses did when he went up to the mountain um, to retrieve the Ten Commandments from the Lord, Jesus is doing, but not to retrieve the Ten Commandments, but rather to proclaim the eight Beatitudes, not as the one who receives the law, but as the
0: lawgiver. Right. And it's very outstanding because in Matthew 5, he says very clearly, I didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it. And then he pr- he goes exactly. on t- to give this whole wondrous beatitude. So, uh, I- Absolutely. For all of us listeners, I just want to exhort you to pick up a copy of this book, Heart of the Gospel, How the Beatitudes Show Us God's Plan for Happiness. Now, Father, your, your writing style is, is very unique because you don't, use, you don't describe the Beatitudes as some kind of spiritual platitude or, or you know, j- just, just kind of spiritual fluff and reflection. It, it, it's deeply theological yet eminently accessible. So wh- why did you choose to write in that lens, if you will?
1: Well, remember, the, the Beatitudes, all of them are, are an expression of how we can attain human happiness. Mm-hmm. And, and the word Beatitude is just a fancy name for happiness. It's translating a Greek word, makarios, which actually in the New Testament is used to describe not only human happiness, but even more the happiness of God and the happiness of Jesus glorified in heaven. Right. So really, Jesus is telling us, This is the way, this is a privileged uh, path in order to arrive at your eternal beatitude, at your complete fulfillment, your happiness. Now, that's the reason for life. You know, a lot of people are going around saying, like, what's the purpose of life? What's the purpose of life? Well, Jesus tells you what the purpose of life is. And not only that, more importantly, he tells us how to get there. There's concrete steps how to get there. And as it turns out, the steps that Jesus tells us on the way to that perfect happiness, are counterintuitive. Right. I like to use a metaphor from, um, when I was a little child, I remember I noticed how the flies would always die on the windowsill, you know, I go to the windowsill, there'd be dead flies there. I say to my mom, Mom, why do the flies die on the windowsill? And she said, it's because they're trying to bump against the window, they're trying to get out to the light, but they don't know there's a window there, so they keep on bumping there till they die. Mm. And I said, why don't they go backwards to the door, through the door that's open. And she said, it's because they can't go through the darkness. They see the darkness and they don't want to go that way. And I thought that's just how it is for us, you know. Um, the Beatitudes describe some very difficult things. Right. Being poor, mourning, a meek, hungering, and thirsting, um, and even being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Mm-hmm. Those are difficult things and darknesses. And yet, that's exactly the way that we have to follow Jesus in order to find freedom and happiness and get out, so to speak, to the light. Otherwise, we'll be no better than those flies just bumping our head against all these created goods, trying our best to find happiness and wealth and Mm. physical pleasure and power and getting what we want and being praised by men. And then we'll never obtain true happiness. So, um, So it's eminently... It's essential. It's like the most important question in life. How do I find happiness? It's a question everyone has. It's the only question in some sense that really matters. And and yet so few people understand that's exactly what the Beatitudes offers, not just as a teaching,
0: but as a way of life. Mm-hmm. Been talking to Father Sebastian Walsh, Norbertine Canon of the Abbey of St. Michael in Diocese of Orange, California. So, Father, I want to return exactly to that sentiment because I can guarantee you right now, all of our listeners are are listening to this thinking, well, gosh, that's not a very fluffy, very uh, feel good gospel. And yet, as you're talking, (laughs) you remind me of uh, Chesterton's quote in Orthodoxy Christianity has not been tried and found wanting, it's been found difficult and not tried. So, but, yes. so, and you do a good job of pressing in on this in in, the, in your book, The Heart of the Gospel. This isn't an easy gospel by any stretch of the imagination, is it?
1: No, it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, this These Beatitudes, if I had to say, in summary fashion, you know, it, what are the Beatitudes? I would put them in, in two other statements that Jesus made. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. Mm. And unless you convert and become like a little child, you shall not enter the kingdom of God. In one sense, the Beatitudes are difficult because they involve carrying a cross. But on the other hand, the Beatitudes are simple and easy because they involve just becoming a child again and letting Jesus carry that cross with you. And and um, when we become like little children, think about your own life as a little child. You were poor, Right? you you weren't pursuing you know the the fleshly pleasures all the time you had to do someone else's will you didn't have power right and yet as a little child as long as you had trust in your mom and your dad to take care of you you were peaceful and there was a certain joy and peace in that you know? and and we have to return to that but as mature adults not a um a a simply childish trust But the kind of trust that comes from a heart which knows well that God our Father loves us more than we love ourselves, and He who gave us the commandment, take up your cross and follow me, also said, my yoke is easy and my burden light. And so in one way it's difficult, but in another it's easy if we can only abandon trying to find happiness by our own means, trying to to make ourselves happy by our own efforts instead of letting go and allowing god to make us happy. Right.
0: Gosh, you know you you're reminding me of catechism 1719 about how the beatitudes uh r- really reminds us about the goal of human existence and that's not our own happiness it's to share in god's own beatitude. Mm-hmm. We, yes. and, and you make that very clear that the Beatitude, you, in chapter one and two of your book, you make that very clear. This, this is about eternal reward. We are probably not going to see consolation in this life. This is about eternal reward.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's why most of the Beatitudes are, are about the future, right? So each mm-hmm. Beatitude has a first part, which is a kind of a condition, and a second part, which is a reward that's promised. Right? So, blessed are the poor in spirit is the condition, and then theirs is the kingdom of heaven, is the, is the reward. Now, most of the Beatitudes are, have a reward promised in the future, but the first and the last, interestingly, have a reward promised in the present. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And so, while the reward is primarily future, nevertheless, in some way, it's already made present in this life by means of hope. Hope has an amazing power. It, it's the power to make future goods present. So take the example of a um, a young woman who's having a difficult day, but the man of her dreams kneels down and proposes to her. <laughs> and her heart is immediately filled with joy. Now, the marriage is, is months, maybe years away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet already, because of the hope she has in the promise of that young man, she's filled with joy. Now, God's promise is eminently more worthy of trust than the promise of any young man to his girlfriend, Amen. right? And so therefore, when God promises these things shall be ours, even in this life now, we experience a consolation of the certain hope that we will possess those rewards, those joys in heaven. And while we live in this life, even in the midst of poverty and, and meekness and and mourning over our sins and the difficulties that come with living the Christian life, yet we're filled with joy. It's it's an amazing dichotomy and strange, but we're actually happier when we give up our hope in the things of this world and place all our hope in the Lord.
0: Amen. And and that's an extremely powerful uh, bit of meditation to end this segment on. We're going to continue the conversation with Father Sebastian Walsh. Norbertine Canon of the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange, California. He is an extremely accomplished individual theologically, and this book he's written, The Heart of the Gospel, How the Beatitude Show us God's Plan for Happiness, is theologically sound and truly accessible. Pick up a copy yourself. Continue the conversation with us, stay with us. Our Marcus Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon. Hey there, welcome back to Curse in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Alcrest. Uh, final segment of the first hour of today's program, talking to Father Sebastian Walsh, Norbertine canon of the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange, California, about his latest book, Heart of the Gospel, How the Beatitudes Show Us God's Plan for Happiness. So, Father Walsh, we were talking earlier about the distinction you were making about translating that Greek word, makarios. Why, why is that such a key word? You know, we the English version translates translates it into blessed, sometimes happy. But specifically, mm-hmm. what is it about Macarius that we ought to pay attention to once again?
1: Yes. Well, it it appears approximately 50 times in the Old Testament and 50 times in the New Testament, just north of that, maybe 52, 53 in each Testament. And um, when when we look at it in its context, it's obviously a very important word from the standpoint of God's revelation. He's constantly giving us this this idea of blessedness, of happiness, as a kind of a, um, for lack of a better word, a bait to get us to do what, what is the right thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. He's pronouncing as blessed those who do these things, right? As if somehow our very happiness will, will come as a result of pursuing these things. Huh? Mm. And, and this blessedness, as I said, ends up being applied um, not only to um, Jesus, In His eternal glory and God in in glory, but even to the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? When she's she's blessed among women, um, and and she herself proclaims herself blessed, right? In all these cases, we find that there's this um, this deep and abiding participation in God's own happiness, and and happiness really is the end or goal of all of our, our life's choices. Mm-hmm. If if you asked, were asked to give a reason, why is it that you do what you're doing right now? The ultimate answer should be happiness. Right. And um, and this is quite a, a contrast to say that the, the original um, Ten Commandments that we find in the Old Testament, because there it was more sort of God saying, do this or don't do that, and there'll be, you know punishments or sometimes rewards associated with your actions and and so the the 10 commandments were more presented in the mode of fear and kind of someone telling you you do this you do that it's more pushing the person whereas beatitude macarius is drawing and pulling the person it's as if to say putting a, attaching a string to their heart and saying come and follow the thing that you desire most, the object of your deepest longing. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes those Beatitudes superior to the commandments. Um, Jesus said that when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Mm-hmm. And no one comes to the fa- to me unless the Father draws him, right? So the idea of being drawn by God instead of pushed by God implies that we now cooperate, and it's from an intrinsic principle of our own desire and our own movement that's moving us towards God which shows that there's a life of God already present in us. Mm-hmm. So this makarios this happiness this blessedness is um, is an essential element of the Christian life and no one can be a true Christian unless they are truly happy and joyful.
0: Right. Right. And and it's very crucial that that you mentioned to us that the entire objective of makarios is like you said, this participation in God's own divine life, he somehow pours his happiness into us and draws us to himself, which is a very powerful right. image it, it it truly is a very endearing image, and this this is as you're telling us the sweetness behind the cross to be born on this earth is it Yes, that's right um so many people um that you know
1: they all know sort of implicitly they're looking for happiness mm-hmm. but so few people find it. And part of the reason for that is because they don't know the way. And, and as I said before, the human heart is counterintuitive. It works in the opposite way you expect it to work. Mm. Most people think that to be happy, you need to find for yourself money and pleasures of the body and power and the praise of men. Right. You know, that's what most people think you need to be happy. And so they spend their lives trying to provide those things for themselves and getting more and more miserable. And yet here I am, a vowed religious with vows of poverty and chastity and obedience. And you would think a grown man would be miserable, you know, having no power and, and no possessions and, and no consolations of married life and the pleasures of the body. And yet I find myself to be among the happiest people I know. Right. It's true what Jesus says. And yet the only people who know it's true are those who try. Mm-hmm. So there's really an attitude of trust that, that enters into living the, com- the, the Beatitudes. Mm. You can't just read them. You have to
0: try them. So I, I want to lean into exactly what you just said. Why was it so crucial then for Jesus to, at, at what would appear to be one of the many highlights of his public ministry, start his entire Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes? He could have positioned it anywhere on the sermon, but he started the entire sermon with the Beatitudes.
1: Yes. Well, the purpose of that sermon was to bring men to God, mm-hmm. to lead men to God. That was the whole purpose, is to bring about union between God and man. And and so he had to inspire in those to whom he was speaking, first of all, hope that that was possible. Mm-hmm. Because by the time Jesus showed up on the scene, the idea of union between God and man seemed all but impossible. And and mankind, if you look at the history of the people of God in the Old Testament, it's a It's a downward spiral. it seems like you know every time you you know people tried to get better and serve the Lord, they'd have a a bigger setback and it was one step forward, two steps back,
0: right one step right. forward, two steps back yeah the covenant history and of so, israel is is amusing, if not alarming,
1: yes, that's right, and it's even worse for the people outside of Israel, you know for mm-hmm. the pagans, the Gentiles, and so man had come to a point of despair. And so the first thing Jesus needed to do was to give them hope. And so he starts off with that message of hope. And interestingly, he wants to pre- preach that message, especially to those who are poor, who are powerless, who are persecuted, because the most of the people in the world were, you know the ones that Jesus was talking to were exactly people like that. And they probably thought, you know based on what the Pharisees were teaching them and the wealthy and the powerful, that they can never be happy because you're not wealthy enough and you're not powerful enough, you're cursed by God, you're not loved by God. And Jesus wanted to say, no, you are actually the ones who are blessed by God and destined for eternal happiness. So Jesus begins by giving them hope. And he also begins by kindling in them the desire, the love that's necessary to start on the road to union with God. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if you looked at, you know, and you just thought to yourself, well, I have to to do these things because God's going to force me and punish me if I don't do them. Well, you would trudge along the way maybe out of fear, but you wouldn't get very far because despair would stop you. Right. But if instead of being moved by fear, you're moved by love and the hope of happiness and the idea that God actually wants to share his happiness with you, well, if that's your starting point, that makes everything else possible. All the other things he says in the Sermon on the Mount, the very difficult things, like if, you're, if your neighbor strikes you on the right, right, off from the left as well, and if he takes your coat, give him your cloak as well. Um, Instead of going one mile, things, go two Jesus, miles. Yes, all those things that Jesus commands that are very difficult are all made possible when you see the destination and when you realize there's hope, there's really hope. Amen. So there's many reasons why Jesus begins there, but those are a couple reasons uh, to inspire within his hearers hope
0: and love. I've been talking to Father Sebastian Walsh, Norbertine Canon of the Abbey of St. Michael in the Diocese of Orange, California, about his book, Heart of the Gospel, How the Beatitudes Show Us God's Plan for Happiness. So Father, I want to talk about the first beatitude upon which it would seem the the, the the rest of the beatitudes or the entire beatitudinal system hinges which is blessed are the poor in spirit and yes. you know you you did this whole distinction of the greek and you you yourself know this it doesn't say the greek words here could could have gone blessed are the you know penes in 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 spirit blessed are the paupers in spirit but instead it uses patokos you know blessed are the beggars in spirit why is that distinction so crucial in the greek
1: yeah so um the idea there, I think, is that we are in an attitude of complete dependence upon God. Mm. Huh? That's really the key notion, the idea that we're in complete dependence upon God. And that's really exactly the, the position of a, of a beggar, right? Right. Someone who is um, in complete dependence and, and who is, um, who's not just someone who doesn't have money but literally who needs to receive everything from the one he's asking. He has nothing, and he needs to receive everything from the one he's asking. And and that is essential because so long as we think we can provide happiness for ourselves, even a little bit, we still have not put our whole trust in God. And it's only the one who puts their entire trust in God that is um, that finds the 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 joy and the fulfillment of God's own happiness. So it really is essential that we be um, beggars, not just you know poor people.
0: Huh? Father, I'm going to say something that's on the mind of every listener right now. <laughs> that's terrifying to think about. You know, there's this human yeah. instinct within us to want to take control of our situation and circumstance how would jesus and you respond to that yeah well one of the things i
1: like to point out is that let's say you do have some control let's say you do have some control and you're saying okay i'm i'm going to make sure that i'm going to do this or whatever else you don't even need faith to know eventually your control is is going to be over
0: <laughs> That's you don't right. need
1: faith to know you're you're going to die And you're going to die. I I have a saying, everyone dies a Carthusian. You know, you you lose everything at the moment of your death. And so, granted that you know that even without faith, right, the question, the real decision you have to make is, do I trust that God loves me more than I love myself, or do I not? And when I reach that last moment, will I be prepared? Will I, will I be able to, to get to the last moment of my, of my life and say, I'm, I'm okay with this? Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of a parable to help explain this disposition. I talked about the example of a young man who proposes to his girlfriend mm-hmm. and how much joy it brings her. Let us say that young man, instead of kneeling down and, and saying to his girlfriend, I want to give you my life. Will you accept my life and live with me together? If instead of saying that, the young man kneels down and he says, I want to give you all my money, but not me, not my life. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? it? I mean, maybe she'd be mildly you know, happy that her financial needs are cared for, but that's not what her human heart really wants. Right. She wants the life of that man. She wants to share a life with him. Right. And she would be much happier to have a poor man with no money Propose to her and promise her his whole life, than a rich man who promised her his whole income. Mm. And God is not going to promise us an income. The mm. beatitudes are God's proposal to the human heart, and He's saying, "I promise you me, my life." But you have to not mistake created goods and wealth for me. You know, I want you to live with me, even in in the fact that I lived. When I dwelt on this earth, Jesus, I lived as someone poor. And I want you to share my life with me. I want to give my life to you and share your life with me.
0: Thank you, Father. Before you go, would you mind giving us a, a, your priestly blessing?
1: I'd be very happy to. Amen. Amen.
0: Mark Peter filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon.